Are you on the hunt for some great nachos this summer? Nacho, nacho, nacho. Look no farther than the specialty nacho queen. She offers all kinds of different takes on the traditional nachos with her delectable specials, along with salads, soups, sandwiches, and more. For amazing, locally sourced, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegetarian, and vegan options, find the nacho queen every Saturday at the Kenosha Public Market and find the queen on Facebook for more event info. La Machia Travel, 618 55th Street, has served Kenosha for over 90 years. And with that rich history, you can expect the very best in customer service and care to ensure that your next vacation will be one to remember for all the best reasons. Stop on in or visit their website, LaMachiaTravel.com, to plan your next getaway. Get out of here. Honk, honk! Looking for a new car? Stop on by Carbox, 1750 22nd Avenue. Scott and his awesome team will go put you in the car of your dreams. They offer great vehicles for all family types. They have the deals you want and need. Honk, honk! Visit Carbox, 1750 22nd Avenue. Honk, honk! honk. On this episode of the K-Town Connects podcast, it's one man's opinion as we connect with former older person and owner of Casey Family Options Funeral and Cremations, the one and only Steve Casey. Well, welcome to the Cake Town Connects podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Donnie Stancato. And I'm here with who? Hi, I'm Jason. Hey, Jason. Hey, Donnie. Pleasure to see you again as we are recording the K-Talk Next podcast. What you been up to? Oh, you know, usual, just working on the show and just having a good time, enjoying life, man. Yeah, we're official business now. Yes, we are Kenosha K-Town. I'm sorry, we're K-Town Connects LLC. Yes, we just got the email So we got to pay taxes and all that fun stuff. Yeah, we're big time now, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, all the headaches with that. Yeah. Yay. Well, we are recording, as always, at Luigi's Pizza Kitchen, located at 7531 39th Avenue. They're open Tuesday through Sunday, so give them a call at 262-694-6565. Check out their full menu and order online at Luigi's Pizza. PizzaKenosha.com and order those pizza pies. <laughs> Let's give a special thanks to Dropping Daisies for that great theme song. Yeah, killer song. And you know what? I just checked the charts. Still number one. You know, I was uh, talking to Amy over the weekend. Mm-hmm. She's the drummer for the band. And I told her how much I, I still love the song. Mm-hmm. Two, two years later, I haven't got sick of it. And they're talking about re-recording a new version. Oh, I like, like that. I'm like, Ooh. okay, well, I kind of like the one we have, but... I'm up for a little, maybe something a little fresh. Yeah, we could just change it up a couple episodes or keep it forever. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, so we'll see see what they come up with. So, But they'll be out this summer, I'm sure, playing all the festivals and everything. They're a great band. Yeah, Dropping Daisies. Yeah. Number one on the charts and number one in our hearts. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you can uh, also look for the K-Town Connects podcast on Spectrum Channel 14 and the Kenosha Community Media streaming channel on the Roku Box. Every Wednesday at 11 a.m. and Sunday at 5 p.m. We're on TV. We're famous. Hi, Mom. We're on TV. Yeah. Look at us. Well, our voices are. Right. Yes. Yeah, well, well, we're famous. Yeah, that's true. And make sure you follow us on all those social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Drop us a review on Facebook or your favorite podcast provider. Help us spread the word about the hottest podcast in town. And that's the K-Town Connects podcast, baby. Yeah, number one. Don't forget, you can show your support for the podcast by getting your very own K-Town Connects merchandise, Mm. courtesy of the Letter Machine. They got t-shirts, sweatshirts, beanies, koozies. Can I talk? I just wanted to do the double voice. I'm so excited about this merch. Yeah, you can find the quick link at ktownconnects.com. We just sold a hoodie just last week. Yes. I don't know who bought it, but hey, thank you. Hey, someone's going to be wearing us on their chest. Yeah, You know, I like that. That's awesome. Thank you, Lettering Machine, so much. Yeah, they do great work down there. I also want to give a shout out to our Patreon supporter of the week, brand new to the Patreon game, Jason Dill. Hey, Jason. Thank you, Jason. That's a great name. That really is. 
really is. Well, thank you, Jason Dill, for joining the after party at patreon.com slash ktownconnects. Jason and all of our Patreon supporters get early access to each episode, bonus material, and get this, the critically acclaimed bonus show it is what it is. Wait, who's the critic that's acclaiming this? I am. Oh, okay. I'm right. the critic. <laughs> all right, all right. How much does something like this cost, Donnie? You're, Steve, Jason, you're not going to believe this. As low as $2 a month, wow. you can get all that bonus material. That's amazing. How can I find a link to that? Uh, the quick link is at ktownconnects.com. Wow. Yes. Amazing. All right, so got all that out of the way now. Yeah, now, now we can get on with the show, there right, we Steve? Go. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here with Steve Casey. He is a... Uh, former politician he owns casey family options and he uh, can be a little opinionated if you hear him on wip here and there yeah he's on with bill and dan monday mornings so we're gonna get a little talk from him find out what he's all about and maybe get a little opinions out of him i like thanks that. for joining us today steve thank you so well you're much, welcome Th- thank you for inviting me so what was your favorite play you're in, in high school oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> well you know you're in a bunch of them i was in a bunch of them yeah yeah uh probably uh Bye bye, Birdie. Okay, so let's back up a little bit here. So you grew up in Kenosha, born and raised. Yes. You uh, grew up right over near the spot. Uh, you were I, part of a large family growing up there. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got four sisters, and uh, of course, mom and dad. There were seven of us in the family. Where did you sit? I uh, was the... born. I was second second oldest. Okay. Yeah. Uh, grew up on Twenty uh, Eighth uh, Avenue and Seventy Third Street, and then in nineteen I think seventy four, my parents bought the uh, the old Doctor Hyden home. On 22nd and 73rd, it's right on the corner. It's got the circle drive in the oh, front. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's that's our home. Uh, and I lived there with uh, my sisters and that. And when my parents uh, chose to sell the house, you know, they you know, let all the kids know that the house was available. So my wife and I bought it. Oh, very And that nice. was back, uh, I think, 24 years ago. So it's been, the house has been in the Casey family since, I think, 74, about 74, wow, 75. That's okay. And that's where I was... Uh, that's where I grew up, and that's where we've raised our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, love it. Older neighborhood, block or two away from Lincoln Park, which at the time was a wonderful park to wander through yeah. any time, day or night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, growing up there, what were some of your favorite like places on Uptown? Oh my gosh, we would there? we would go over and we'd uh, watch the movies at the Roosevelt Theater. Oh yeah, that's right. You know, and then uh, when I was growing up, um, the basement. That was a bowling alley. Oh, yeah. You know, about a six-lane oh. bowling alley with pin setters. Oh, yeah. They used to set pins down there. Yeah. You know, and then when Carmichael took over the Roosevelt, he took out the bowling alley and put in a miniature golf oh. in the basement there. Okay. So um, we would go and watch an afternoon movie at the Roosevelt Theater, and we'd walk there. And then afterwards, we'd go across the street to the A&W. Oh. You know, and we'd Andy's get a... Driving, Andy's driving. Yeah, right? Andy's driving. Yeah, and we'd we'd get a, a Papa Burger or a Mama Burber, Burger and, <laughs> you know, a root beer. And in those days, you'd sit at the booth, and there was a phone. You'd, you'd order on, on a phone. What? The, inside? The waitress, inside, yeah. Okay. The, the waitress would be in the kitchen, you know, taking your order, and then she'd bring it to you. Huh. But she wouldn't come to your table. You place the order on a phone. I'll, wow. I'll, I'll for, never forget that. That wow. was the A and W back then. Huh. Well, nowadays you can just place the order on your your smartphone. Well, it's the same <laughs> thing. It's yeah. a circle. But the always. smartphone is only as smart as the operator. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> but we loved. Uh, I, I love growing up in the older neighborhood. So tell us about your first job. Well, my first job was. Um, <laughs> well. I think my first job was a paper boy. Yeah. I was a paper boy at 12. And, you know, I got to tell you, these pe- these kids these days who are unemployed and <laughs> claim they can't find work. My first job was an 11-year-old paper boy, and I haven't been out of work since. Yeah. There you you go. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, the work ethic is completely different. I I drove, uh, drove a delivery car for a, a Bernanke drugstore early on. Oh. I worked at... Uh, Remember the Western Station out here on Highway 50, just past Sears Complex? It's now called Ira's. It's a liquor and uh, it's oh, a gas yeah, station yeah, right yeah, on yeah. the corner. That was the old Western gas station. And I worked there for, uh, I think, six months or a year. And I worked second shift, uh, not every day, but I they used to make their own donuts. Ooh, so I would make wow. the donuts at night, starting at about nine o'clock in the morning. They were all fresh donuts every morning, so that was kind of an exciting. Well, it must job. taste it real good. You get those fresh. Yeah, donuts. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Even absolutely. that smell of fresh donuts yeah. to it, you know. Well, and then I worked at the Roosevelt Theater, like mm. uh, like we talked about. Frank was a 
Frank has mellowed in his older years. I'll tell you that right now. He was a, a real pistol back then. Yeah. Uh, fired me three times. Wow. So. That's, that's, uh, well, well, I guess you, you and I are pretty lucky. He hasn't fired us once. Yeah. Well, well there you 16 go. 16 years. Yeah. yeah. And, and he hired you back. Every time I'm on his show, I, I have to bring that. I have to point that yeah, out. Yeah. Now, um, you've, you're featured on WIP now, but you've been involved with radio for a long time. You were a yeah. student reporter when, for WRKR. Oh, my gosh. Did you do your homework? <laughs> what don't mess the around hell? here on the K-Talk. I was going to say, where'd you get all this information? Mm, okay, Who boys. was my first girlfriend? <laughs> you don't know Melody. that? <laughs> don't know that one, but. No, I, uh, uh, Paul Kern was a DJ on WRKR in Racine. Okay. Okay. Uh, the FM station, you know, and, uh. He, he, he reached out to all the different high schools in the area and he did this. He did a, uh, teen update or a high school update. I forget what it, it was even called. And that's where I was exposed to Paul Kern. He's retired now, but he was a longtime DJ on WLIP then. Okay. Um, and he wanted to reach out and he did, uh, uh, you know, he'd have a different student in every Friday night and these students would, you know, come in and I'd listen to them and they'd say, well, well, we're playing basketball tomorrow night against Central <laughs> High School, and uh, we've got a bake sale on Monday. And I thought, no, oh, there's got to be a little flair to this. Right. So Paul would have me in on Friday night, and I would talk about who's dating who, or hey, who's, who's cheating on who, and <laughs> did you hear Bobby and Susie broke up? And I guess it wasn't all Bobby, you oh. know, so, yeah, things like that. And and. He loved it. We had such a chemistry that he had me every Friday night. He told all the other kids to stay home. (laughs) So I did that for, uh, I think, my junior year at uh, St. Joe's. But that was a lot of fun. And that's, of course, how I got exposed to to Paul Kern. Mm -hmm. And then subsequently, when I was an alderman and he was a DJ at WLIP, that's where this whole thing started. It was called the City Council Update, mm-hmm. where on Monday mornings I'd come on and say, look, we're voting on this item this week. We're voting on that. We're voting whatever the case is. And we did that for, I think we started that back in the 1990s. Oh. And then uh, when I stepped, then he retired. And, of course, Bill Lawrence came in and Pete, mm-hmm. and, and they do a wonderful job in the morning slot there. And um, when I stepped down in 2010 as an alderman, you know, uh, Bill wanted me to keep doing something. And I said, well, Bill, I'm not an alderman anymore. I can't, you can't call it city council update. Right. Well, you just like expressing your opinion. In fact, that's what we'll call it. One, One man's, man's opinion. opinion. <laughs> so now I'm on, uh, set front Monday mornings at about 720, mm-hmm. you know, whenever he gets around to calling me and I do, I, I'm usually sitting in my lazy boy watching Good Morning America <laughs> yeah. and the phone rings and I talk to him and, and then also on Wednesday morning, we do a, uh, a live read for the funeral home, talking okay. about different issues with the funeral home. But so you went on to Stevens Point, but then you came back and you went to Gateway here, Milwaukee. Yeah. Wow, where do you get this stuff? Well, what do you just Google search me and it all pops up? My ways, come on. Okay, okay. But you, you no, went. I've to... attended. I've attended. Actually, um, I, I believe almost every university in the Midwest. Oh, okay. And uh, sometimes I'd last a month, sometimes two months. I think I finished a semester at Carthage. I went to Carthage. I went to Gateway. I went to Cardinal Stritch. I went to uh, MATC. I went to Stevens Point. I went to Parkside. I was uh, I was lost way back when, and then I started hanging out with uh, with uh, two very good friends who worked together at the Proco Funeral Home. Okay, I uh, started hanging out with Larry Proco and Bill Altos, who uh, left Proco's to open up to partner with Nancy Paisecki, and now he's at Drager Langendorf. But the three of us were very good friends, mm-hmm. and I started hanging around the Proco Funeral Home. And uh, and one thing led to another, and one day Larry Proko came to me and he said, you know, Paul Lenman down at Lenman Mishler Funeral Home downtown, which is now closed, he's looking for an apprentice. Would you ever be interested in oh. that? I said, oh, what the hell? So I went <laughs> down and talked to Paul Lenman. He hired me on the spot, and I served. And, and in most cases, you do mortuary school, and then you serve your apprenticeship. Mm-hmm. But I did it backwards because I'd never worked at a funeral home. I didn't know whether I would like this or not. Right. Yeah. So I uh, served my apprenticeship first, and it's a full-time job, you know, for a year. And then if you choose to go to school for it, then you go on to mortuary school. And I graduated okay. from uh, MATC in Milwaukee, you know, uh, in the mortuary science program. And then came back to Kenosha and uh, and started working at different funeral homes. Worked at Hanson for a while, Hanson Funeral Home. Worked at uh, Ledman Mishler. Um 
And then when I got into uh, actually selling pre-need, a big part of the business is selling burial insurance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a sales job, just right. like you're in, uh, Donnie. And we, we fund a funeral by selling a burial insurance. So we first sit down and figure out what your cost of your funeral is. And then I sell a burial insurance to fund that. Uh, and when I got into that, I, I formed my own third-party marketing firm. And we had accounts all throughout the Midwest where we would go in and manage their pre-need program. So I went from kind of being on the at-need side of the business, at-need meaning when a death takes place, you work with the family, or to a pre-need situation where you are with them prior to a death. Okay. You know, oh, okay. So um, worked at Proco Funeral Home for about eight or nine years, wonderful eight or nine years. Proco family is just very special family. Larry and I are still very close and um, just a lot of respect. Third-generation family. You know, John Proko and then Larry uh, took over from there. And now Rachel, Larry's daughter, is running it. Just a just a wonderful, a wonderful family. And I left there to, to create my own funeral home and left on very good terms with Larry. So what was what, what was going through your mind? Like, I'm going to I'm going to start my own funeral home. Was well, it a tough decision? I, I never scared? Ca- no, well, it was very scary. Yeah. Um, well, you started with Serenity Services. Serenity Services was my third-party marketing okay. firm where we would, for instance, if you had the Donnie funeral home, I'd go to you, Donnie, and say, look it, um, are you writing any pre-need? Well, not so much. And you know, just when people call us, I said, well, what if I could hire two people to do this for you? You know, where, where we get all the commissions, but I pay for your direct mail, I pay for some of your advertising, I pay for this and that. And, you know, my people would be working under your under your name mm-hmm. you know and that's that's how we started we had this uh, we had Procos in Kenosha we had Molten Bell in Milwaukee we had a uh, Allstead Tiborski they've got four, four locations we had a funeral home in Racine uh, at the time it was Hanson funeral home okay. and we we had about a dozen at one time or another we had between a dozen and 15 agents you know um, and that the natural progression from that was to want to get into owning my own business, you know, my own funeral home. And we opened up in uh, 2001. In fact... Uh, but that wasn't in Kenosha, was it? That was no, we opened up in... Mount Pleasant? O- Mount Pleasant, okay. yeah, up on Old Green Bay Road. And then we eventually expanded into the Kenosha market. Okay. And it's it's a neat story as far as the funeral home is concerned. I mean, first of all, I always thought there was a better and more effective way to do funeral service. Mm-hmm. You know, the days, and I spotted this 20, 25 years ago, the days of having the big Taj Mahal building, yeah. that's going away. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way we operate and what makes us different uh, than most of any other funeral home is I don't have a big building. Mm-hmm. I'm located right up the street here on, on 30th and uh, 75th Street. It's an office pretty much, right? It's, a, it's pretty much an office. There's about a 600-square-foot preparation room in the back where mm-hmm. we do our embalming and whatnot. We have office space. We have a couple of conference rooms. And then when it comes time for a funeral, we move that to church. You know, if your family doesn't have a church affiliation, then I can find a place to rent. We're down at Kemper Center quite a bit. We're at, uh, you know, the Woman's Club. We're at different facilities. But no, in most cases, if your family has a church affiliation, yeah. well, then we do it in your church. Right. Yeah. You know, keeps my overhead down and my prices are quite a bit less. Because yeah, yeah. I saw funerals going even 20 years ago just... Uh, very expensive and i saw a need for you know not we, we provide the quality that everybody expects in kenosha because we got a lot of good funeral homes in kenosha piasecki's is very reputable proko's is very reputable mm-hmm. we provide the same services just for a lot less money yeah. because i don't have the overhead mm-hmm. and that was kind of my niche market and i kind of saw that as as a good thing yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, so, um, a lot that, of people that, are on a budget they can't afford. Yeah, and that's right. Funerals can cost a ton of money. Now, what's the difference between like burial insurance and say like a, a pre-plan? Is that kind of the same thing? Or is well, that... it's kind of the same thing. Okay. Um, ba- burial insurance is the funding vehicle that we use when you pre-plan a funeral. Okay, gotcha. You know, so so we sit down and say, okay, you want this type of funeral? You want this casket? You want this burial vault? Cemetery is going to cost you this. This funeral is at today's prices is going to be seven thousand one hundred and fifty dollars. Well, would you like to prepay that? Yeah, I would like to prepay that. Well, then we create an insurance policy, and in many cases they'll write one check. Here's a check for seven thousand one hundred fifty dollars. We put that money into this insurance policy, and it stays there until a death takes place. Okay. But there's also creative ways to pay for it. There's payment plans. There's this and that, and there's a lot of. You got to live that long, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a bur- burial insurance is just like uh, 
uh, car insurance, yeah. the, the difference between burial insurance and car insurance, you're definitely going to use your burial insurance, right. <laughs> but you may not ever use your car insurance. Yeah. You know, yeah. So there's a real difference there. And uh, that's been a real niche market for us. We probably do more pre-planning of funerals than just about anybody else in the area because we do it aggressively. Uh, we don't do it aggressively, but we, we run a very active program. Yeah. We do seminars. We do direct mail. Mm-hmm. We do, you know, referrals. We, we, we do a lot of different things. I mean, we're talking a lot, okay. you know, over the last uh, five or six years. It's got to be a hard business to be in. I just, are there any days you just wake up and, like, you don't want to deal with it? or Well, the, 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 the kids... And the babies are the toughest. Oh, yeah, my God, yeah. You know, and, oh. and the senseless deaths, the the drug overdoses, the this and that, the death by suicide, those are very difficult. And and the, and the curse that most funeral directors have is if you're operating in the city where most of your family lives, mm-hmm. you're going to end up burying most of your family. Yeah. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, my Aunt Betty, my Uncle Bill, my Uncle Jack, my Aunt Bonnie, my Uncle Dick, my Aunt Marilyn, my dad mm-hmm. in 2012. I mean, Dad died in hospice uh, in his bedroom, and uh, and we were all there. And I, you know, made the removal and took him up to the funeral home. I did wasn't able to. I brought in someone else to take care of the embalming in that case because I wouldn't have been able to do that. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. And then they wonder why funeral directors drink. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, how has funeral services changed since the 1980s? Well, there's no question. Um, I I was licensed. I got. I, I've been in the business since '82. Uh, went to school and then came back as licensed in 85, I think, 85 or 86. But cremation is certainly on the rise. There's mm-hmm. no question about that. When when I was when I got into the business, cremation was maybe 10, 15 percent, 20 percent, maybe. You know, and nowadays uh, our 60%. cremation, our cremation rate is closer to 70 wow. percent. Yeah. Uh-huh. But, you know, the thing is, you know, what we see the most of in the business is not so much as people, I mean, there's there's three different ways to do a cremation. One is a direct cremation where there's no service, no nothing. Mm-hmm. It's just us taking care of the cremation, and that's the end of it. Then there's a, then there's what we call a memorial service. Yeah. Memorial services, we're having, having one tomorrow morning at St. Mark's. The urn will be there, mm-hmm. but the body won't. And then one of the ways that we're seeing um, market share increasing is what we call a traditional cremation. Traditional cremation means a regular funeral with the body in the casket, open casket, visitation, service. Then the cremation takes place. And the reason that is coming on, people want to have the body. A lot of families choose to have the body at the funeral, but they don't want to bury a casket because of the rising cost in cemetery fees. Mm -hmm. You know, cemetery fees are outrageous these days. You know, so instead of burying the casket in a cemetery, They'll have the body cremated and then just retain the urn or do something special with the urn. Do they have to rent the casket or do you have Yeah, we have what we call a rental casket okay. where actually um, it, the whole interior is replaced every single time. It's all on Velcro and okay. snaps and hooks and things like that. But uh, so, so the body is in the casket and it's a regular funeral, traditional funeral. Then the cremation takes place, and that's one of the one of the things that we've seen increasing the most. Mm-hmm. You know, and because it's a cost savings thing, there's no cemetery charges then. Yeah, right. you know, to, to purchase a grave at Sunset Ridge in in Kenosha, I think the grave started about four thousand dollars. Cool. Oh wow! You know, it's just outrageous. Yeah, wow. it's just outrageous. So wow. But there are a lot of different options uh, as far as what do you do with cremated remains? Yeah. You know, I mean, we know families <laughs> that have scattered them. We. Uh, you know, we assist in, in doing that sometimes, you know, um, and, and there's all kinds of different options. You know. Well, that's about time we take our first break. Yeah, let's let's take that break. We'll be back uh, with more with Steve Casey, the owner of Casey Family Options. Um, they're located at 30165th Street. Uh, check them out at caseyfamilyoptions.com. Give them a call at 262-653-0667. Find them on Facebook as well. Absolutely. Right. And we'll be back. All right. Wow, Jason, your hair looks fantastic. Thanks, Donnie. I got a cut from Trish at Faded Barbershop for Men, 2227 63rd Street. They offer many different services, including shaves, waxing, and that good old-fashioned haircut. Follow their Facebook page to schedule your next hair-raising experience. That's Faded Barbershop for Men, 2227 63rd Street. 
Hey, Jason, you thirsty? Yeah. Well, get on down to Lucci's Grandview, 69 39th Avenue, and grab yourself a cold drink and some good conversation. This family-owned bar will serve you up some great memories. Follow them on Facebook for their great upcoming specials and events. That's Lucci's Grandview, 69 39th Avenue. Cheers. Cheers. And we're back from that break. And what a break it was. That's right, Donnie. That bit never gets old. <laughs> We're here with Steve Casey talking uh, funeral stuff. So in 88, you were elected. Uh, it was the 8th District at the time, and they changed it over. It was that's pretty correct. Same. It was the 12th District later on. Yeah, that's eight. correct. Yep. But at the time, you were the youngest city council member? I was 26. the youngest elected and the longest serving. Okay. Wow. George Fitchett, who I had a lot of respect for, he served 28 years but they were two stints of 14 years. He was a, he was a, an alderman for 14 years and ran for mayor, so he had to step down you know, okay. as an alderman, and he lost uh, as mayor. Hmm. And then he ran again in two years again and got reelected and served for another 14 years. Okay. So he, he has served, the longest serving alderman was 28 years, but the longest serving consecutive alderman was me. Okay. You know, and, uh, and it was 22 years. And the joke is, you know, as a bartender at Sunnyside, <laughs> you know, and as an alderman, you know, I said, well, does it count if I don't remember the first four years? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so is it really just 18 years? You know, I mean. So it made you kind of want to be an alderman to start out with? Well, I'd always been involved with politics in, uh, in uh, school. Okay. You know, I was on the student council at uh, Lincoln Junior High. And then uh, Frank Passetti and I were president and vice president of our of our uh, the high school at St. Joe's, and I was uh, in mortuary school. We uh, I was the president of the fraternity Sigma Phi Sigma, um, so so I always had taken an interest in that type of thing. Um, and I came back in uh, in eighty eight or eighty six when I uh, uh, graduated, and uh, I moved back home, of course, with my mother and father, and across the street was our alderman and his name was Greg Gatormson. Um and he was an alderman and I uh I said, you know what? I got a group of guys that want to help me, uh, some beer drinking buddies and they <laughs> thought it would be fun to run for alderman. So I walked across the street one day and he was working in his yard and I said, uh, alderman Gatormson, I said, I'm your neighbor Steve Casey across the street and you know, I I don't know your politics. I don't know whether you're a good alderman or a bad <laughs> alderman. So this is nothing personal. But I said I, I I'm going to run against you in the spring, just for shits and giggles, just for something <laughs> right. to do. And he took one look at me. He said, "Well, can I run your campaign?" Oh. And unbeknownst to me, he was planning on stepping down. Oh. So um, he announced he was stepping down, and he helped me with my campaign. Oh, that's good. Um, I did have opposition that year. I had a fellow run against me, but I was successful, and um, so it took off from there. Wow. You know, enjoyed every minute of it. Oh well, except for the last, I probably overstayed my welcome yeah. down at City Hall. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have stepped down two or four years in advance. I just got so damn sick and tired of these meetings. Yeah, you know, I mean, at at you know, in most classes, you know, in in universities and that, how long is the the class? Fifty minutes. Yeah, right. You know, and at fifty minutes, even if it's a three-hour class, usually at fifty minutes they give you about a ten-minute break to get up and walk away. <laughs> so at fifty all. minutes at a council meeting, I'd be looking at my watch. Go you know, I'd be looking at my watch and, and looking to get out. So, yeah, um, it's kind of just kind of burnt out after so many yeah, years. Yeah, well, and it, it it we had such a good group of guys back in the '90s and the early 2000s. I mean, guys with integrity like. Uh, Dennis Pierce, Chuck Bradley, mm-hmm. Everett Butler, um, Frank Pacetti, uh, Julia Robinson, mm-hmm. uh, Kathy Marks, just a great group of guys that all got along and they were just good, ni- good, nice people. Yeah. You know, where, where, um, and, and everybody, we did very little lobbying of votes. You know, mm-hmm. well, I'll vote for this if you vote for that because we didn't have to yeah. because I knew where Chuck Bradley stood on every single issue. If it was a, if it was a spending issue, he was going to vote against it because he's conservative. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, right. If it's an older neighborhood issue, Case is going to support it. Mm-hmm. You know, Case is going to support it. Dennis Pierce supported Kathy Marks, Jerry Ramson, you know, Everett Butler. You know, everybody knew where everybody stood. Yeah. And it didn't mean you were a bad person. You know, just because you disagreed with somebody, you know, and you could still go out and get a pizza at the Sunnyside Club afterwards <laughs> and drink a couple of beers, which is what which is what we did. But then this new breed of aldermen started coming in. And I I coined the phrase years ago. I used to call them the fabulous five. Mm-hmm. You know, there were five guys 
who were just troublemakers. And if you if you voted against them, you know, you were on their list. Mm-hmm. You were on their hit list. And they were troublemakers not in a good way. You could be a good troublemaker. No, no. They, they were not troublemakers. They were they were, they were micromanaging. Yeah. Uh, and there's still one guy on the council. Who, that, who, who? Name uh, Well, Dave Bogdala ah. is, is one of the original members of the Fabulous Five. Yeah. But you had Ray Meisner. You had G. John Ruffalo. Yeah. You had Anthony Nudo. You had, uh, well, Kevin Mathewson at one point. Oh, you had, he had Donnie's best friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> but uh, it, it changed the whole scope of, of the dynamics of the city council in a bad way. Yeah. You know, and, and to a degree, they still, a lot of the guys down there still operate that way. So Bill Lawrence and I coined the phrase fabulous five. They think they're superheroes, mm-hmm. you know, and still when I say fabulous five, people know who I'm talking oh, about. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember you know? that. Yeah. Do you think Bogdowell will run for mayor in two years? I'm not sure. I would, uh, if, if he runs for mayor, then I'm probably going to run for mayor. Oh, <laughs> My my wife, I don't think would allow me to run for mayor. No. Every now and then, when I'm talking about one man's opinion, and when I'm talking about uh, on shows like this, and I start talking about city hall, and you know, I still get that fire in my belly every now and then. It's a little, <laughs> it, but you know what? I miss the most. I don't miss going to the meetings. I don't miss. I miss delivering for my constituency, mm. you know, and having, you know, uh, Mrs. Smith down the street. Steve, our, our alley is so dirty. Well, then I would help her. And you'd see things change fixed. for yeah, the better exactly and right. see her be happy. I don't miss and... that. And I, I, I miss the, miss the guys. I don't miss the meetings. I was a tenacious campaigner. I was like a pit bull. <laughs> and uh, I would, I would hit every door in my district three times, do about four different lit drops. You know, I would do fundraisers. I would do this and that. I loved campaigning. So you were uh, pretty vocal in your time as alderman. And in uh, 1999, you were one of many Kenoshans who were against putting in the streetcar yeah, line. Yeah. And uh, has your opinion changed about the streetcars? Well, you know, it's funny. I voted, I think uh, Frank Pacetti and a handful of other guys voted against the streetcar. And, and the reason um, I voted against it is I just didn't see any sense in it going around in streets. Right. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to turn it into a, a mode of transportation, mm-hmm. that's different. Now, this is from a guy who voted against a streetcar <laughs> and then had uh, three young kids at home. <laughs> you know, and uh, and we would, my wife would go grocery shopping on a Saturday. She'd say, you got to take care of the kids for a couple hours. So we'd get in the car. We'd drive down to the streetcar. We'd ride the streetcar around a couple of times. And my son Thomas knew every single car and the name of it by mm-hmm. color. You know, they all have different names, the Pennsylvania, the, yeah, you, know, yeah. you know, things like that. And, uh, and he loved it. So then we'd get off at the museum stop and we'd walk through the museum. You know, for an hour or so. Yeah. You know, and it's a beautiful museum. And then we'd get back on the streetcar, ride around a couple more times, and we'd end up at lunch at Trolley Dogs. Oh, yeah. So it was a whole, it was it's a whole a, it's thing. It's an experience. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was a whole yeah. thing. And, and I loved it. And I, I had wished that they would have expanded it to go down 7th Avenue like they were going to. Yes. Down to the band shell. Yes. You know, and I, I had hoped that they would run it to the, to the uptown neighborhood. That'd be although, beautiful. There's no sense in doing that now, you know, but, uh, anyways, but no, I was, uh, I would be a big, you know, and they, uh, what's the light rail system that they have in Milwaukee? They call it the hop or something. Is that the, Mm, I haven't been in Milwaukee in a long time. I'm more Chicago guy. Yeah. They've got, uh, they've got streetcars now on tracks, you know, and it's wildly successful. It connects the North side to downtown to the historic neighborhood. So I, you know, some people see it as a waste of money, but if it can be a mode of transportation, yeah, you know, that's that's something kind of neat. I mean, people still come to it. I think they, I think they, the the hours should be cut back. I mean, my wife and I were driving around this weekend downtown, and there's nobody on the right, streetcar. It's just, world. it's just probably too soon. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it should just be a warm weather thing. Yeah, yeah. you know, and and things like that. But uh, no, I I voted against it, but. I've ridden the trolley, I bet you, more times than any other elected official in southeastern <laughs> Kenosha because my kids loved it, and it was something for us to do. We did that almost every Saturday for months at a time. But a lot of the same people still live in the old neighborhoods. You yeah. know, a lot of them have passed on. But being their paper boy, being their alderman, and then ultimately being their funeral director. Right? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of a neat thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can still point out, you know, people who still live in the neighborhood, and, and uh, so so... That way, it's very meaningful, you know, representing the neighborhood you were born and raised in and, yeah. and uh, also conduct, you know, conducting business there. 
So it was a it was a plus that way. But always the older neighborhoods have always I've always had a soft spot for them. The city is not doing jack shit. Can I say that? Yep. You <laughs> sure. Say it. Yep. You just yep. did. They're not doing jack for the older neighborhoods at this point. No. Right. You know, the infrastructure has fallen, uh, is, 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 is absolutely crumbling beneath our feet. And meanwhile, we're putting all the money in the downtown area, building more apartment buildings and doing this. <laughs> we're putting, we're putting more money into the, uh, innovation neighborhood. Can somebody please tell yes. me what the hell an innovation neighborhood That's is? That's why I, I really wanted to talk to you about this because you have very strong opinions. <laughs> Do you even think this is going to happen? Well, I mean, yeah, the mayor's talking got- about, you're talking about a project that is probably not even going to be up and operating for 20 years. Right. I mean, the only thing that he's, he's got going there, there now is that they're going to, they're going to put roads in there. And I guess Lakeview Tech is going to open up, uh, build a school there. But uh, I don't even understand. They're they're calling it an innovation neighborhood. Yeah, you know, know Kenosha innovation that. neighborhood. I don't even know what that means. Yeah, and I've been involved with city council for twenty two years. What, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> First of all, you got the uptown, which is a complete disaster. Yep. You know, now 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 I can feel my blood pressure going up. <laughs> just so you know, I mean, nobody real. cared about it before. No, nobody cared about it before. And when we built the pick and save, which by the way I was opposed to mm-hmm. the grocery store. Because I'll never forget the meeting that we voted on it. I said to the representative of Pick and Save, now, is this going to be a grocery store, you know, for for 20 years? Mm -hmm. Well, Mr. Casey, we have a 20-year lease. I said, I didn't ask that. I said, will this be a grocery store for 20 years? Well, Mr. Casey, we have a lease. Well, I had done my homework as well. What happens when a grocery store moves into a neighborhood is the lease, first of all, is this big, real big. Mm -hmm. And as years go on, they scale the lease down to a a, a lower figure to help them operate. And they reach a certain point, and usually it's about halfway through the lease or 12 years into the lease, where if they're not making the right kind of margins Mm -hmm. and they're losing money, they'll keep paying the lease. And closed the store down. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened over there. They were a grocery store for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And now until I, I think there's still three or four years left on the lease where it's going to be an empty building. Mm-hmm. You know, we had the perfect opportunity to put the job center in the old pick and save building. And, and the, um, a former alderman who I won't mention her name stood up at a meeting and thought and, and announced that she thought that was a bad idea. You know, and now the job center is being located on 52nd Street. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the job center has thousand people working there, you know, um, every day going to work there. And they get visitors of between 750 and 1,000 people. 1,000 people work yeah. at the job center? Uh, well, visitors come, come well, in. Well, no, no. Right? I, I, I believe it's about four or 500 people who work there. Okay. But, but people who visit the job center, it's about 1,000 people a week. Okay. You know, for different things, veteran right. services, things like that. Why in the hell wouldn't you want a thousand people coming into your neighborhood every single day? Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's where the job center should have been. That pick and save development never was what it was supposed to be. Well, there's room there for both. There's still an empty lot sitting there, well, right? You know? Well, exactly. That was where the second apartment building right. was going to go. Yeah. Well, the first apartment building is not even at full occupancy. And they've got 11 retail spaces on the first floor. For years, there's nine nothing. of them sat empty. Yep. Not even like done. I remodeled. They were yeah, not there. even not not even done. But now, since the uh, since the uptown burned, you know, uh, during the riots, a lot of the, some of those small businesses moved, moved over, over to the pick there. and save. Yep. Mm-hmm. But that project never was what it was supposed to be. And now we're instead of fixing the problem, you know, not only the pick and save development but the uptown as a whole. Now we're putting money into an innovation neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, innovation neighborhood. What does that even mean? Nobody can even tell yeah. me what that means. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, it's going to, and there's going to be some spillover effect. You know, it'll, it'll impact the Columbus neighborhood in a positive way. How the hell is it going to do that? Yeah. Uh, the only spillover I see is in, in the uptown is when the garbage cans are full and nobody empties them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's spillover there. We were told when the pick and save went in on 63rd Street, we were told that there'd be a, there'd be some spillover into the uptown. Never happened. Nope. Never, mm-hmm. never happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it's now you got my blood pressure going. <laughs> I, I remember as a kid, I used to pedal my bike to the uptown and buy my uh, Super 8 film. Remember Super mm-hmm. 8 film? Yeah. yeah. And uh, at the Roadies camera shop, 
leaned my bike against the front of the, the roadies camera shop, never locked my bike, never had to, go in and buy my film, you know, stop at the Frost Top for something to eat, or the Dutch Maid, there was a Dutch Maid there, the Ben Franklin, there was, that was the place to be. Yeah. I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm 61, and I remember they used to have Uptown Days, you know, where they block off the streets. Oh, I've heard about that, yeah. Carnival, carnival mm. uh, rides and things like yeah. that, and it was a fabulous thing. You know, and now because they've chosen to put in these loft apartments where all those businesses burned, right? You are forever going to change the landscape of the uptown. Mm -hmm. It will never be a retail hub again. No, it's now going to be a residential place. You know, and is that really what you want there? You know, I, I agree. Tear down the damn buildings and take take site take site control. Yeah. Site control is ninety percent of the game, and let it sit and determine what's best. Come up with a plan. The, the, what they're doing in the uptown was a knee-jerk reaction to the riots. Mm. You know, let, well, we got to build something. Well, no, actually, we don't. All you really have to do is tear the buildings down. Yeah. You know, and that's what that, that that's what they should have done over at uh, the pick and save when they tore down the brass. Everybody says, "Well, we need a grocery store." Well, what do you mean you need a grocery store? Well, apparently, you don't need a grocery store because it didn't last. You know, I love that grocery store. I went there all the time. Well, so, actually, so did we. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I miss it. I miss it. Yeah, but. So what do you think the answer is for Uptown? Just Well, a, a bulldozer is a good step in the right direction, and they, they've <laughs> done that. But uh, I, I'd like to see it, I, I'd like to see it uh, be a retail hub again, mm. you know, specialty neighborhood. Yeah. You know, you've got, a large, you've got a large population of Hispanics in that, that community. Maybe you put in a, a Hispanic restaurant. Maybe you put in a Hispanic bakery, things like that. Make it, you know, uh, I, I mean, you've got Chinatown in Chicago. You've got all these different right. neighborhoods. Yeah. Well, maybe call this Little Mexico or what, what have you. Yeah. Have a theme that can address these issues. You know, but, it, but then you need business owners. Well, then you it. need business yeah. owners. But you create a situation where if the city builds the the the, the, the buildings, yeah. you know, you can offer them at you know uh, we'll give you we'll give you no rent, no rent due for six months. You know, and then fifty percent of market rate in the second six months. Yeah. You know, you got to be able to assist these business owners. Right. You know, um, to be able to do things like that. And there's just, there doesn't seem to be a lot of help out there for small businesses. Right. Yeah. Well, a lot of times they will offer that and people don't take advantage of that too. You know, we've seen that problem well, at this downtown point, Kenosha. We've had well, that. I've said, I've said this for years. My, my wife and my daughter, Elizabeth, will shop anywhere. They'll, they'll spend hours in a gift shop at, O'Hare, you know, I mean, they, they, they shop everywhere. You know, when we go to a warm weather place, they'll walk through every shell, every, you know, seashell gift yeah. shop, you know, just for the sake all of shopping. All selling the same crap. Yeah, all selling the same crap. That's right. But they have never once shopped in the uptown, mm -hmm. you know. And my wife, you know, and most people with disposable income, they don't shop in the uptown. Yeah. First of all, you got the guys hanging out in the corner selling drugs and the homeless, mm -hmm. you know, so you got to address that issue. So you're going to you're going to build loft apartments and charge market rate rent. And as you look out your picture window, you can see people sleeping on the uh, under the awning across the street. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, the problems in the uptown are much bigger than just needing a loft apartment being built. <laughs> mm. You know, and they're not addressing that. Focus what, on the families and the houses. Right, exactly. What they should have done, and I've said this for years, when the fire station pulled out of Roosevelt Road, mm -hmm. they should have turned that into a neighborhood policing. Oh. Uh, yeah. Go to a neighborhood policing model. Yeah. Where... where the, when you're in the garage of the fire station there, you can you can look up and down 22nd Avenue and see everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, what would be wrong with putting a satellite police station there? That's going to curtail the, the, the crime right from the get-go. You know, you put cops on bikes. You get them walking the beat again. You know, you do all of that. Right. Let's shift gears to downtown Kenosha. Okay. Now, do you think there's going to all these apartments? How do you feel about that? That's coming down. Well, there? they're putting a whole lot of money into downtown, but the one part of downtown that they're not putting a dime into, well, they, at least they haven't. They've done some improvements, is the lakefront and the beaches. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I I remember swimming at Eichelman Beach where they had lifeguards on duty. Yeah, I remember where they that. had areas roped off where you could swim and not swim. <laughs> you know, um, where the have you been to the Eichelman Park bathrooms lately? Mm -hmm. I mean, you walk in there, you almost need a hazmat uniform oh, to even use the bathroom. You know, build a couple of nice bathrooms, you know, in these different parks. Build some pavilions that you can rent. Mm -hmm. You know, like at Pets, those right. pavilions yeah. are booked every single weekend. 
you know, for parties, for anniversaries, mm-hmm. for things like that. You know, put some money into the lakefront. Make the beaches, you know, a destination place. Yeah. You know, whether it's Simmons Island or Southport. Now, they, they are doing some work at Southport, but they're not focusing nearly enough money in the, in the down, in, in the, in the lake access. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have kayak rentals. You can do this. I think this they're, all- they're at, the, um, Simmons Island, they are. I know Matt from Public Brewery is doing something down there. He's going to have some beer, and they're going to have some kind of rentals. Which down is a there. step in the right direction. Well, we'll see if it happens, Yeah, right? we'll see if it happens. Right. Yeah. They've tried to do that for a long time. When, when I was growing up, there was a snack shop in the, in the mm-hmm. Simmons Island. Simmons Island, yeah. You know, down there. I mean, and, and we've got more public access to Lake Michigan than almost any other community on Lake Michigan. Well, we did a great job preserving it and making it into a park. We did a great exactly job with that, right. but now we have to do something with these yeah, parks. Well, but you have to develop the beaches a little bit. And mm-hmm. I and I hate pointing to Racine as an example, but <laughs> have you been to North Beach up there? It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. They've got they've got playground equipment. They've got modern bathrooms. They sell wine and beer, which by the way, Kenosha, <laughs> selling beer and wine isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right, right. right. You know, everybody seems to think, Well, we don't need beer in the downtown. Well, yeah, well maybe we do. Yep. Maybe dad wants to watch the kids play in the sand and drink a beer. Yeah. yeah. You know, what the hell's wrong with that? Yeah. You know. I mean there's all kinds of things up there. They have they have canoe I think kayak rentals up yep. there. They have all kinds of uh, 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 you know music on weekends and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's a destination place. People go to Racine to go to North Beach. Yep. Well, people don't necessarily come to Kenosha to go to Eichelman because there's nothing there. Right. Yeah. I agree. And you people know. do come to Simmons Island. They go to the beach you know, on a hot day. The beach right. is packed. Right. But the city's not taking advantage of that at all. Well, man. and there's just not anything there. Yeah. I mean, the bathrooms down in the in the yeah, they're the, nasty. They're, just... they're horrible down there as well. Yeah. I mean, people ought to be selling. You know, there ought to be ice cream trucks down there. There ought to be food trucks. You know, food trucks you know. and uh, someone operating selling beer and wine out of the. Well, DKI the... tried to do something a couple summers ago. They tried to do something down the beach there. Well, well I think they had a pop up beach fundraiser. Yeah, but it should be there nonstop. It should be there constantly. Yeah, or at least every weekend, you know, or something. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I'd like to see more money put into the lakefront. You know, um, they're putting a whole lot of money, and as <laughs> I mean, it does. You don't need to be a rocket ship scientist. The first grass that's cut are the lakefront parks. Yeah. Lincoln Park is usually the last. Yep. <laughs> you know, the flowers are all planted down there in the Harbor Park neighborhood. Yeah. The flowers at the Lincoln Park are the last to be planted. Mm. I mean, clearly the focus is downtown. Yep. And now with what the the mayor's proposing with the new city hall and things like that, it's all about downtown. Well. It can be all about downtown, but it also needs to be about the older neighborhoods. Spread the love a little bit. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about the parking garage down there? I feel this... this <laughs> nobody... I, I park down there when I go to the markets, yeah. and I got front row parking. Nobody uses it. Well, I, I don't... <laughs> the parking ramp has always been a bone of contention with me. <laughs> it's a $7 million structure. <laughs> You know, and and originally they were going to put retail space on the first right. floor. Yeah, I you know, that. and that never happened. And then, wh- wh- where else can you go in any metropolitan area and not pay for parking? Right. You know, I mean, even mm-hmm. a, a dollar or three dollars or five dollars all day, whatever yeah. the case is. And and they claim that it was going to be built that there were going to be um, there were going to be um, spaces available for the Stella. Because the Stella doesn't have a parking lot. Yeah. So that's how it was going to operate, that uh, there were certain spaces for the Stella. Mm-hmm. But as you pull into the ramp, they tell you that you have to, no overnight, no overnight. parking, right. and you have to move your car at 3 in the morning. You can only park till, till 3 in the morning. Well, if you're staying at the Stella and you're using <laughs> you're that, there, you're not yeah. going to park there. Now, apparently, the third, I think the third or fourth floor, there is dedicated spots. Um, yeah, I spots. saw that the other day. But how do they enforce that? And I called the Stella. I said, "Did you have parking across the street in the new parking ramp?" Um, well, I'm not, uh, I think so. You know, <laughs> okay. Uh, how how do I do that? Do I get a voucher or do I do I have to prove that I'm overnight yeah. at the Stella? You know, the whole thing was it was a screwed up project to begin with. It's a seven million dollar parking structure where they they ought to be able to at least get something for it. You know, and and they, they didn't even. They can't even get people to park in no, it. No, and, and, and they free. never even wired it for, it can be a free parking lot, but they never even wired the building for, you know, the, when you pull in and you get your token, mm-hmm. you know, and then you pay on the way out. You know, they, they don't even have electricity to do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so because there was no foresight in this. And I know this for a fact because, well, I won't tell you why I know that. But uh, <laughs> anyway, so even if they wanted to charge now, 
you know, they, they can't do it with a metered thing. Oh, man. Yeah, no. it's it's just... Uh, well, at least may put like a big sign free parking in there because you drive by, you're gonna, you think, you see the gate there, you're like, oh, right. I'm not going to pay for that. I'll drive around and find a place somewhere right. else. So. Right. No, nobody uses it. No. Yeah. I, I think you know. I'm the only one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to start parking our hearse in there. Oh, there you yeah. go. I mean, if there was, there was overnight parking, which I still think that's the reason why they put the signs up, no overnight parking. <laughs> Uh, we 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 have a place that we store our hearse, but you know I could save I could save that money yeah, and just park go. my hearse in the <laughs> yeah. in a parking garage yeah, every yeah. night. Bring it you know, when the... I need it, come down and pick it up. There you go. There <laughs> you, know, you go. So. <laughs> so in your 22 years, what's your proudest accomplishment as a Kenosha politician? Well, certainly supporting the older neighborhoods. Yeah. There's no question about that. You know, and standing up for the small business. Okay. You know, um, I, I mean, I now I, I hope I don't offend anybody out there. But you drive by a place like Applebee's and you see the place packed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's a it's a corporation. You know that. Right. But there are so many decent places to get a good hamburger in Kenosha. Yep. The garage on 60th. Yeah. Uh, the old Spanky's. The Sunnyside Club is a nice family place. You get homemade pizza, this and that. It doesn't take a whole lot to look around. Right. And, you know, and, and be able something. to purchase and be able to use your consumer dollars with local businesses. Yep. And that's what we prefer to do. You know, and I tell people that all the time. All right. Um, three years as alderman, there's a lot of hot topics. You know, they had the casino, the streetcar, all kinds of things. Looking back now, you know, ten over 10 years later, which hot topic of your years you think has the best or the greatest historical impact on our city? Uh, the, the Chrysler. The Chrysler pulling out. Okay. And, uh, and uh, the local 72 and a lot of the... Uh, a lot, of, a lot of Kenosha wanted us to sue Chrysler. Yeah. You know, and if we would have sued Chrysler back then in 1990, uh, it would still be in court today. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, sure. And we'd still have an abandoned <laughs> engine plant mm-hmm. down at the lakefront. You know, by us refusing to pursue Chrysler, you know, and acquiring all that property down there was the singus, single biggest thing that we could have done, Harbor mm-hmm. Park okay. and Harborside. Yep. There's no question about that. Yeah. You know. So, and had we sued Chrysler, it would have never gotten off the ground, you know. And I want to get your opinion on the red zone, the vault, coins. You're very outspoken well, about this as well. You know, I have no idea why why in the world we would have purchased the red zone. Yeah. Does, that makes the hell? No that makes it's, it's $400,000. And we have, you know, the city's got a 1,000% batting average in taking bad licenses. We did it to coins. We yep. got them. They were a yep. bad operator. Um, the, the vault, you know, the vault downtown is a, actually not a bad operator. They just had some bad, bad yeah. experiences down there. But uh, there's no reason in the world why we should have. It, it's like reward a bad landlord. You yeah. know, and, and that's what the city's doing in some of the older neighborhoods. You got a landlord that's renting property to a bunch of drug addicts mm-hmm. or a bunch of drug dealers. So what does the city do? Come in. They'll come in and say, oh, Mr. Smith, you've got to run down property there. You know, we'll give you, you know, $100,000 for the property. Okay, I'll take it. Why don't they just Then they tear the building down, and now you got an empty lot. Yeah. Well, here's an idea. Enforce the codes that we have in place. You know, I mean, it's not rocket ship science. You know, it's <laughs> and, and so I was very, um, very much opposed to the purchasing of the red zone. I, when I heard that, I just couldn't believe yeah. it. I, I said, "Well, then why isn't Coin saying, hey, why aren't you buying my bar?'" Well, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. what I would have said if I was their attorney. Yeah. Yeah. He said, "You're going to shut us down." I think they're shut down now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Shut, yeah. A couple yeah. weeks now, they've been shut down. Should have yeah. just cut them a check. Yeah, I that's mean, exactly right. And, the, and when the Gascoigne family ran it, good operators. Yeah, yeah. Mark, Mark very phil- very philanthropic. You know, did fundraisers did there? Great benefits Re- there. Yeah, right, right. And and they turned it over to this other operator, and they ran it into the ground quickly too. You know, mm-hmm. and I had I, I was concerned that the Gascoins may have sold in a land contract. But apparently they they got their money out of them, okay. which is good. Yeah, you know because yeah. on a land contract, they you lose. go the uh, operator goes belly up, you get it back. Yeah, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, uh, they, and they were a good a good family, you know. All right, I know you kind of touched this before. This is our final question before our break here. You considered it in two thousand seven, but didn't follow through. What will it take for Steve Casey to run for mayor in twenty twenty four? I don't think that's well. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that would happen. But the first thing I would do is if I ran for mayor, I'd run on the platform of eliminating the job. Oh. Elect me mayor, mm-hmm. and I'm going to eliminate the job. Oh, oh. all right, all right. You know, um, <laughs> we, we don't need a mayor full-time. Mm-hmm. You know, we can have a figurehead. Uh, and I envision it, my candidacy would, would be 
I'm going to come to a department head meeting on Thursday. I'm going to tell you, okay, we're here at point A. I mm-hmm. want us to get to point B. I'll be back next week. You can update me. <laughs> there you and go. that's it. You know, and then bring in bring in a high power, you know, city administrator. Okay. You know, that's um, a position they have. That's, that's a of, position they have. But yeah. um, but 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 spend some money to get some real talent. Okay. You know, I mean, not that past city administrators haven't been talented, but you know, bring in you know, make it make it comparable to what it really should be running a hundred and seventy million dollar business. Mm-hmm. That's what the city is, right? You know, and someone who will run it as a city mm-hmm. or run it as a business. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think I could, uh, you know, they they always say if you want something done, give it to a busy man. You know, <laughs> I could be mayor and run the funeral home. What the hell? There yeah. you go. Yeah. Like, All right. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for our second segment. And we're going to take one more break. We'll be right back to wrap things up here with Steve Casey. Frank's Diner, 508 58th Street, has been a Kenosha icon since 1926. This classic establishment offers up sassy service with scrumptious breakfasts and lunches. Can you take on the garbage plate? I don't know. Stop on in at Frank's, open seven days a week in beautiful downtown Kenosha. Every Friday, get on down to Union Park Tavern, 4528th Avenue, for their famous fish fry. It's voted best in Kenosha for the last decade. But that's not all. Union Park Tavern serves up great food every day, including their 9 a.m. weekend brunches. And if you enjoy live music, they have you covered there as well. Live music every Friday and Saturday night. Also, be sure to check out their beer garden. That's Union Park Tavern, 4528th Avenue. Hey, you out there, if you're in the market to sell or buy a home, make your next move with Next Home Refined. This local real estate brokerage specializes in humans over houses. They focus on the main part of the real estate transaction, and that's the people. Contact Minnie Samuel at 262-960-0468 or minis, M-I-N-I-S dot smarthomeprice.com to start your real estate adventure. That's Next Home Refined. And we're back from that break. And what a break it was. And we're here with Steve Casey of Casey Family Options, um, 3016 75th Street. Just want to give the man some more plugs here. Mm-hmm. Uh, find him on the World Wide Web, the internet, at CaseyFamilyOptions.com, Facebook. Give him a call at 262-653-0667 and pre plan your funeral and you can there click you know. that link right in our show notes to have a link right yes. there on the website Boom. That's click on simple. over there you can check them out while you're listening to the show so what time is it now donnie oh it is time for kenosha connects that's right and kenosha connects is brought to you by laura cox of acupuncture and wellness of wisconsin hey donnie are you suffering from pain migraines mm, ouch. ptsd anxiety grief or stress mm. well visit laura cox of acupuncture and wellness of wisconsin 3917 47th Avenue for excellent care in the form of natural, functional, and traditional Chinese medicine. Visit acuwellwi.com. Click that link in our show notes so you can live, live well, well, choose well, well and, and be well. <laughs> so we got some Kenosha Connects questions here with Steve Casey. Steve, what is the last great meal you had in Kenosha? Uh, well, I'm, I'm very partial to the House of Gerhards. Great place yeah. there. Great place. Excellent food book. Yes. But That's all right. You get what you pay for, though. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite annual Kenosha event? Oh, it'd have to be the uh, 4th of July. Oh, yeah. yeah. Down the lake, yeah. It's yeah. a great time. Frank does a good thing down there at the whole yeah, Celebrate America. Yeah, absolutely. It's always really a good does. time. Uh, what now closed Kenosha business do you wish you could bring back? Uh, well, gosh, there are so many of them. Um. Probably my favorite was Andrea's. That's, but yeah. I hear it's coming back. Or something's uh, it's going to come back. back in some form. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah, not yeah, the same, yeah. but yeah. it's going. Yeah. All right, so obviously you listen to WLIP. Mm-hmm. You, you've been on there. But what is your favorite show that's currently on? Well, I probably should say Lenny Palmer. <laughs> you know, but uh, but I'm kind of partial to the morning uh, morning group as well. Of course. I love Bill. Bill's yeah. a great, great yeah. guy. When's the last time you put your feet in Lake Michigan? Uh, probably last October. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, September. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. We're down by the lake quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people go down the lake, but they don't really go out to the beach, you know, actually yeah. go mm-hmm. down there. You know. Yeah. 
All right. And which Kenosha bar do you think he spent the most money at? Oh, for heaven's sakes. Everybody knows that. Probably Sunny's. <laughs> ah, the there you go. <laughs> Although they weren't very profitable back when I bartended there because I gave away half the drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I was buying votes back then. Yeah. <laughs> now, we asked this of everybody, and they usually give us pretty lousy answers, but I think you're going to have a good answer. Who do you think should be our next mayor? <laughs> Well, I'd like to have somebody. Uh, I'd like to have somebody come out of the private sector. Okay, you know, not a not a career politician um, uh, out of the private sector that knows how to run a business. Oh, okay. You know, uh, I would uh, I would support Frank Carmichael. Whoa! Hey. Okay. All right. <laughs> wow. All right. Last question: Big Star or the Spot? I think I know where this. Well, is Well, yeah. Uh, obviously, um, Southsiders go with the Spot. You know, the Northsiders go with Big Star. Although mm. my son Thomas is a big Big Star fan. Don't mm. you remember the old uh, Fontaine Blue on Twenty Second Avenue? Oh yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. With no, <laughs> definitely the uh, the spot with uh, double bacon cheeseburger. Ooh. Oh, there and, you go. Uh, jalapeno poppers. Oh yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. So. Well, maybe Ooh. I'll go there after the show. The bread cheese yeah. squares are. Yeah. Are right. Right. Well, that uh, that's it for the Kenosha Connects. All right. And what time is it now? Ding, ding, ding. It's trivia time. And trivia is brought to you by the Downtowner Saloon. Yee-hoo! Moosey on down to the Downtowner Saloon, 707 56th Street, for some mouth-watering southwestern foods, including their amazing brisket, their flavorful original rubs, and the greatest smoked meats in town. Enjoy a meal or just stop in for one of their delicious specialty drinks. You ever have one of those, Jason? Oh, yeah, they're great. They're fantastic. So get on down to the Downtowner Saloon, 707 56th Street. Great food down there. Yeah, it really is. I love that place. So, Steve, were you Jake or Elwood? I was the short one. No, no, I was... (laughs) Actually, I was the skinny one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would be Jake. I, I was Dan Aykroyd. Yes. Yeah, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. yeah. No, that's Elwood. Okay, you're not. Elwood. You're not to do good. You might have to do good in this trivia. <laughs> uh oh. Because you played uh, Blues Brothers a lot of charity shows over the '90s. You and Frank Wassetti did a Blues Brothers routine. Yes. And um, so we're doing. Also, I heard that Mayor Antrimian did a Sonny Bono impression. I think he did. Remember that? The, uh, oh, have a hard. I'd love to see shows. that. So, yeah, yeah. so we're doing Blues Brothers trivia. Oh, boy. It's you against Donnie. i only seen the movie once. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's uh, three questions for each of you, so uh, we'll see who can win. Donnie, you're going to go first. So you can kind of see how it works here, Steve. Donnie, Jake is released from Joliet Prison after serving three years for what crime? Was it A, carrying an unlicensed firearm, B, reckless driving, fifth offense, C, kidnapping a local politician, or D, attempting to rob a gas station? B. That is incorrect. The correct answer is D for attempting to rob a gas station. Okay. All right. All right, Steve. Here we go. What make of vehicle is the Bluesmobile? Is it a 72 Chevy Monte Carlo, a 74 Dodge Monaco, a 73 Hornet, or a 72 Ford Torino? Uh, Ford Torino. No, oh, no, the really? Dodge Monaco. Oh, Dodge Monaco. Yep. Okay. So we're right. tied up. It's a tough game here. Donnie, I got it. If you're gonna go on this one, you're gonna get. When Jake was in prison, Elwood got rid of the original Bluesmobile, which was a Cadillac. What did he trade the car for? Did he trade it for the current Bluesmobile, cocaine, a microphone, or a new suit? New suit. No, the answer is a microphone. <laughs> but they did a lot of cocaine on the set, though. Ah. Yes, I'm sure they did. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve, here's one. You're going to go ahead on this one here. How much money do the Blues Brothers get paid for their first gig at Bob's Country Bunker? A, $200. B, $100. C, nothing. Or D, they owe $100 because they drank too much beer. Uh, D. You are right. Hey, ding, ding, ding. ding, ding. Yeah. All right. Steve is on the board. Well, I guess this, I got to get this, this right to tie song? it up. Donnie, which iconic performer does not sing a song in the movie? Ray Charles, James Brown, John Lee Hooker, or Little Richard? John Lee Hooker. That is incorrect. Oh, the no. answer is Little Richard. Oh. So, Steve, you won, but I get to one last question for fun here. Sure. So, which film director has a cameo as a tax assessor clerk? George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Francis Ford Coppola, or John Landis? John Landis. 
No, Steven Spielberg. Oh. oh. I'll have to watch that movie again. You should. And I had a couple bonus ones. What do the Blues Brothers call the nun at the orphanage? The penguin. Oh. Uh, you guys aren't good at this. No. Right. I, I, but now, Steve, you still won, and you won a K-Town Connects t-shirt. Oh, one. Courtesy, courtesy of, of the lettering machine. machine. There we go. Oh, Located nice. in downtown Kenosha, you can find all that merchandise of the lettering machine at ktownconnects.com. And get a hold of them for all your print and embroidery needs. Yes, we love the Larry Machine. I hope Beautiful. to see you wearing that out Thank in the you. city. Yeah, there we go. All right. Well, that was that was really fun, Steve. Thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I and I wish you the best. Thank you so much. And that's. Uh, Casey Family Options, Funeral and Cremations, located at 3016 75th Street. Give them a call, 262-653-0667, CaseyFamilyOptions.com. Find them on Facebook. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And also look for Steve on One Man's Opinion on WIP Mondays with Bill and Dan. You, it's Sounds Bill great. and Pete. Bill and Pete. Bill and Pete. Yeah. Ooh, what did I say? Dan. Bill and Dan. Oh, well, Dan. Dan can get a little cheap plug in. <laughs> <laughs> so click that link right down there. We have to thank our sponsors one more time. That's uh, Downtowner Saloon. Union Park Tavern. The Car Box. Frank Steiner. Mini Samuel of Next Home Refined. Acupuncture and Wellness of Wisconsin. The Specialty Nacho Queen. Lucci's Grandview. La Machia Travel. Faded Barbershop for Men. Wink Beauty Boutique. The Letter Machine. Gerber's Gift Shop. And of course, Luigi's Pizza Kitchen. <laughs> well, that uh, does it, Donnie. We did it. We What a great episode. Great Thank show. you again, Steve. Um, got a lot of editing to do. Yeah. But you know what? I'm just trying to figure out what, what were we doing here? What are we doing here, Donnie? Um, you know what? I, f- I finally figured it out. We are connecting Kenosha. Kenosha. <laughs> <laughs> 